Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. whole portraiture we just need new energy we just need discipline we need um structure uh, we need a follower or a leader so we can follow that leader as as players um and that's what we need and you know we gotta have you know the love of just not just the game of football because that's what we do but the love for people and the people in this organization we all got to be on the same page there's too many different mind um, and too many different ideas and too many people thinking that they have this power and, and it's not like that. You know, we need someone that stand tall and this is who we follow and this is the way it go. Like I said yesterday after the game and, and, and we're going to do it this way to win. All right. That was that was Deshaun Watson on Monday, six days ago, which would have made that Monday, the 4th of January. Uh, he is still currently the quarterback of the Houston Texans, but a whole lot of stuff has happened since then. I'm joined, as I often am, by Drew Hodgson, uh, also a former Houston Texan, played center for the Texans, a former Arizona State Sun Devil, Sun Devil. Um, Drew, look, you don't you don't work in football. You don't follow it 24-7. Are you as shocked as a lot of people were when you started seeing tweets about potentially trading Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I think just as someone who, uh, like you said, is on the periphery to some extent, it's a story that's big enough that is that is shocking to me. Right, as, as just kind of a bit of an outsider at this point. So, so this is where I am on it. I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast are obviously in Houston or Houston Texans fans, but even they sometimes have a hard time keeping track of the soap opera that's gone on for the last two years. I think people outside the city of Houston, and and what Drew and I are talking about is that there were rumors uh by mike florio that that deshaun was raising the subject with his friends about the prospect of being traded um and that's as far as we knew nobody made too much of it but then within a day or two this week 
Ian Rappaport had tweeted out that Deshaun Watson is extremely unhappy with the organization after owner Cal McNair informed him he would be involved in the GM and coach hiring process and provide feedback, but then did neither in the hire of Nick Casario, the new general manager for the Houston Texans. That all happened. So this was all in the course of uh, one week. It was a little bit of a whirlwind. Deshaun Watson, according to Ian Rappaport, has not spoken to Texans brass in the last few days, although they have tried to call him. Cal McNair, the owner of the Texans, when they introduced Nick Casario, said the same, said that they hadn't talked uh, in the last several days or since the hire of Nick Casario. Deshaun Watson had had at least one conversation with Cal McNair, maybe about more vague items uh, in the search. And I'm going to try not to give too much information here because there's a whole lot. It, it's been a soap opera here ever since Bill O'Brien really took over, <laughs> bit off way more than he could chew back in 2019. So, nice. Drew, uh, what I want to do is go back to April 2nd of 2019. Does that, um, does that, does that date ring a bell? It, it does, although there's a, a laundry list of, of dysfunctional uh, issues that you can bring up probably around that timeline, so feel free to walk me through it. Okay, this is where we're going to start with. Just uh, and There will uh, be a couple key names in here that I want people to remember if they haven't heard these before, uh, but they're big, 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 big players in the drama right now with the Texans. April 2nd, 2019, the Texans hired Jack Easterby as the director of team development. And you might hear that, you might say, okay, um, I didn't know there was such a thing as a director of team development, but I guess the Texans hired this guy. And I think that's largely how it was received at the time. I can think back to April of 2019, and we may have discussed this a little bit on air because it was interesting. This was a guy that they were pulling from the New England Patriots. He'd been the character coach with the New England Patriots. And you look him up on YouTube, and he's this uh, spiritual guy that's got a whole lot of motivational videos, and he's you know very religious, but he, he talks to players. All, all these players from New England have stories about how, hey, he helped me out through a tough fix in my life. And he'd go play basketball with me, and we'd talk about life but he also worked with Bill Belichick and he was brought into New England after New England had the whole Aaron Hernandez scenario and Bill Belichick realized oh yeah I don't have the deftest of touches with human beings maybe we could bring somebody with a deft human touch in here and Jack Easterby was that guy and it seems like he did a pretty good job as the character coach in New England I think Bill O'Brien in April of 2019 thought you know what I myself have been known to every now and then lose my shit. Excuse my language. And uh, maybe Jack Easterby could be good with the, the human stuff here. So he brings Jack Easterby in, but with a promotion. Uh, we find out later, according to Jason Lockhanfora, Jack Easterby, according to Jason Lockhanfora, um, is making $3 million a year, which is a hefty sum. That's a handsome sum. Um, so that's where we have. So that's in April of 2019. You go to May, June 2019. Two months later, the Texans fire the general manager, Brian Gain. Brian Gain had only been there 18 months. Brian Gain had a good chunk of time left on his contract, and everybody's wondering what the hell is going on. Um, you know, and there, there was some criticism of Brian Gain already, like any general manager. We were concerned that he didn't seem to be capable of trading up or down in the draft. <laughs> some of the moving and shaking. We just, uh, we just, we had our, we had our second guesses about and the Texans offensive line still seemed to kind of be in a shambles <clears throat> but all within the course of 
one week, really, I'd say probably just a few days. The other drama that unfolds is that the Texans were going to try to hire Nick Casario, who is Belichick's right-hand man, director of personnel, uh, been with the Patriots for almost two decades. They were, the Texans were going to try to hire Nick Casario. So two names so far, Jack Easterby and Nick Casario. The Texans were going to try to hire Nick Casario away from the Patriots. Patriots said, hold on, bro. Um, Jack Easterby was just <laughs> up at a ring ceremony at Bob Kraft's house recently just as you guys are firing your general manager and you think that you think that we you think we're gonna think that oh yeah jack easterby and nick casario must have just been chatting away i claim tampering and i accuse you of it houston texans so the texans say oh we pull back a little bit like hey 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 no way no it's all cool it's all cool baby we'll just uh we'll settle in and 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 you figure okay well the texans will probably hire a general manager now right no, they don't. They don't, Drew. What happened, Drew? You, you you know this part. Yeah, I think at this point, I, I could be mistaken, but I think they actually decide to just give more authority and control to the guy who perceivably was responsible for a lot of the disarray that's already happened. Yes, yes, yes. So they so gave Jack more Easter control <laughs> to, to, to Bill O'Brien. Yeah. And then maybe unknowingly started to uh, set the stage for sort of an undermining of additional authority by Jack Easterby. Right, right. So all this is going on. And you know what? Look, hey, um, Bill O'Brien has pretty much complete control at this point. And he probably always already did. You know, I mean, he did get the somebody got the GM fired. Bill O'Brien would always oh, yeah. claim he knew nothing to do it, had nothing to do with it. Jack Easterby we're starting to kind of look at it as like this guy's some kind of hatchet man or something. What the hell's going in? He's going on. He comes in and two months later, the GM is gone at the time. Drew, I started telling people, keep it, keep your eye on this Jack Easterby fellow, because this is a little bit weird. This is when people started to th- say, is this like an East? Is this a, a little finger type of guy? Like from game of Thrones. And, um, and a lot of people thought I was overreacting. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here. Just, <laughs> I've seen this uh, scenario play out before. You got this religious guy who somehow threw away and, and, and using a lot of religious jargon. Because that's, I had one conversation with a person about Jack Easterby. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, he's like a really religious guy, which is cool. And he said, well, he uses the vernacular of a religious guy. So just keep that in mind. Um, sure. Yeah. He's so... an eccentric figure <laughs> in, a, in a sea of, of generally overly professional figures. So and he I can to tell stand out maybe. Yeah. And I can tell already I'm going too long on this. So here we'll go. Uh, Bill O'Brien becomes the coach and de facto GM. Jack Easterby becomes vice president of football operations. Bill O'Brien makes a couple of really controversial trades, trades away Jadavion Clowney uh, for less than perceived value. Then he trades two second round picks and a second, uh, two first round picks and a second round pick to Miami for left tackle Laramie Tunsil, wide receiver Kenny Stills. And then there was a swap later on, but whatever. Um, This lopsided value will continue to be a theme in most of Bill O'Brien's transactions. Uh, the the, The Texans went on to have a good regular season. They then blew a 24-point lead in the playoffs last January to the Kansas City Chiefs and looked like there still was a vast chasm between the genuinely good teams in the NFL and the teams that were maybe scratching, you know, clawing at the door, trying to get into that genuine category, uh, genuine contender category. After that game, Deshaun Watson, who's been the good soldier all along, never bats an eyelash, never complains or anything, 
he professed his undying love for Bill O'Brien. And I'm not exaggerating. He, he literally used the word love. He said, I love that man in the press conference after that game. He's sticking up for Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, the de facto general manager, who was then named officially the general manager last offseason, the 2020 offseason. Um, he trades away DeAndre Hopkins, right? Which, which in Houston, here, I, honestly, I blame this specifically for our sometimes haphazard response here in Houston to the coronavirus, because all of this happened, the DeAndre Hopkins trade, as uh, the coronavirus was just taking hold in, uh, in the U.S. Drew. I feel like we didn't, we had a three-week, uh, everybody else had a three-week <laughs> head start on it because we were all wrapped up in this ridiculous, pathetic, uh, disgusting DeAndre Hopkins trade for which the Texans got back almost nothing, a second-round right. pick. And they, and they took on, they didn't get back David Johnson. They took on David Johnson in his, uh, his $12 million contract, $12 million guaranteed dollars on his contract. Up to speed so far? Uh, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've, surprisingly, I've managed to stay, stay on top of what you're saying. Okay. So aside from DeAndre Hopkins, O'Brien then goes on to make a bunch of other moves. They bring in Brandon Cooks, who's a longtime, long-admired object of Jack Easterby's affection. Brandon Cooks was in New England when Jack Easterby was there. Jack Easterby just loves Brandon Cooks. And I'll be honest with you, I like Brandon Cooks. I think Brandon Cooks had a good year this year. Um, he's, no, he's no DeAndre Hopkins whatsoever. They also gave Randall Cobb a three-year deal. On defense, they lost DJ Reader. Didn't replace him with anybody. Um, didn't really do much at all to help a defense that was really struggling over the course of the second half sure. of last year. So we get to training camp this year. They gave Deshaun Watson a really nice contract. Second highest paid quarterback in the league, $39 million per year. You figure Deshaun's going to be here a while. You know, with or without Bill O'Brien, Deshaun is going to be here. Texans start out 0-3. They had a ridiculously difficult schedule to start. They had Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Uh, and at that point, the everything was going off the rails. There was a report that Bill O'Brien and JJ Watt got into a huge blowout argument in practice. And then the Texans go on to lose to Minnesota. At the time, nobody really realized that Minnesota's defense was going to be the disaster that it was. It's Mike Zimmer after all, right? You figure they yeah. got off to some hiccups and maybe with help, they'll get back. But the Texans start off 0-4. Bill O'Brien loses his job. Deshaun goes on to have one of the weirdest years that a really good quarterback has ever had when he's had a really good performance. They're all kind of stats that show that no quarterback has ever performed as well as Deshaun Watson on a team as bad as the Texans. They won four games, but Deshaun gets the passing title. Um, really, in a lot of respects, has the best season he's ever had. And in the midst of all of this, this season, where you have Romeo Cornell acting as the interim coach, and Deshaun Watson, you know, having Tim Kelly, the offensive coordinator, working in complete autonomy, a Sports Illustrated article comes out that's basically an expose. I know people on the team think, think it's a smear campaign, but it's an expose of Jack Easterby, where it paints Jack Easterby as this character who kind of is, is really adept at gaining the trust of people in power and sowing discord amongst different people in different departments in the team, while at the same time really raising the eyebrows of a lot of players on the team. There are players in that article that said that they, they wished Cal McNair would just see that 
Jack Easterby is pulling the wool over his eyes. And, and it paints this kind of sordid image of a really dysfunctional situation. And, and I would say, I think some people are skeptical of that Sports Illustrated article. I know that some people in the organization think that it was a smear campaign against Jack Easterby. From people I've talked to, it actually seemed kind of tame. Um, like it's right. There's it's there are some there are people, including former employees, but there are people that really don't know what the hell is going on with that team. So the entire time, Deshaun Watson is performing well on the field. In press conferences, once a week on Wednesday, he's keeping up a positive demeanor. There were actually a lot of people that criticized Deshaun for being too happy this year. Looked like he wasn't sad enough. Like he was doing all the right things, all every step along the way, until finally at the end of the season, he gives that quote where he says there needs to be a culture shift. And remind, mind you, at the time, Jack Easterby was the interim GM. He's a Patriots guy. Bill O'Brien departed Patriots guy. He says, we just need a whole culture shift. We need new energy. We need new discipline um, and all those other things that you heard in that clip. But I think culture shift, culture shift is the, the word that really stuck out to me. And within a few days, what does ownership do? They go and they double down on the New England Patriots culture. And I think that's where we are right now is that Deion, the Deshaun Watson is reportedly unhappy. The, the trade discussions with his buddies, I don't know what to make of that at this moment. I just know that after, I know that right this moment, given time to kind of have conversations with people and think about it, I'm more alarmed about the potential and the reality that you've got a potential trade situation here. I don't want to look, I don't want to be clickbaity here. This is a potential, this is a potential reality. And it's freaking me the hell out that we somehow got to this point that we did. All right. What about all of <laughs> I gave you a lot right there? I don't know how long that took, but I feel like I gave you a lot. Um, I think what's your first question that pops into your brain, given all of that? Well, there are a handful. Okay. Um, but to your point, I think first and foremost, first of all, that was so impressive. I mean, I don't, you must be lightheaded. After oh, that. okay. Oh, I thought you were talking about Bill O'Brien's job as general. No, manager. you personally, that okay. just the ability to, to lay all that out in, in one stream of consciousness. And I actually was able to understand it all. Okay. Well, that's, that's good because usually what'll happen is I go on in other cities on the radio and usually it's like, I'm on it for a 15 minute hit and they'll ask me what's going on. And honestly, it's impossible to explain. I try to do yeah. it in three or four sentences and, uh, and I, I don't know how to approach it anymore because for an outsider looking in, I feel like they look at this situation and they think, Oh, typical spoiled professional athlete just wants, you know, wants his own way. Didn't they just pay him? Like, no, Deshaun is a guy that has played the part of the good soldier this entire time. He's been the organization's best employee. By far, the organization's best employee, and has not complained about a single thing. The Texans, I, I think meanwhile, you're right. it, well, the, the Texans, meanwhile, have had three general managers in three years. Yeah. So when that employee steps up and says, "Hey, something is wrong here," I don't understand it, how people's first reaction can be, "Whatever, just shut up and do your job." The guy right. who's hiring the general manager 
is on his third general manager in three seasons. So I don't think it's out of bounds for Deshaun to say, hey, maybe consult me next time because I know a few of the pitfalls of what's gone on here. An employee who who is on a team who that has underperformed relative to a lot of his peers and their performance and to people who, you know, now that I'm, you know, to some extent outside of that Texans bubble and even, you know, from a from a fan's perspective is that a lot of the players on this team have have done their part and outplayed really their the 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 expectation of their performance i'm looking at like jj watt you're looking at deandre hopkins for a long time i mean these are guys who really never um did much to rock the boat at all mm-hmm. to rel- relative to what they could and relative to a lot of other teams who in similar positions with what was going on in the front office with, with what was going on with the coaching staff and some of their teammates would have done a lot more to be difficult to manage. And those guys were always very easy to deal with just, just sort of the run of run of the mill contract renegotiations and management of personnel and interpersonal relationships with the staff. So I don't think he's done really much of anything to cause a stir in Houston of anything. You almost wonder, is he not, is he not leveraging, the the power that he has already as a guy who's in his role to take advantage of what's going on right now for a team that is to say dysfunctional i mean i i tried to i i very quickly was looking on the source.com for more potent verbs outside of dysfunctional (laughs) to try to figure out what you can say because i think it's i think it's a lot deeper than that It, it it seems you know for someone who just is coming in and absorbing kind of the timeline that you laid out I don't know that it really does it justice, to be honest with you. The, yeah, the dysfunction sometimes. Hey, lots of organizations are dysfunctional. I, I, like, yeah, I mean, every part of the course. I mean, the, the, NFL. Page, the Patriots are example A number one. When it comes to just human relations and stuff like that, the Patriots yeah. are kind of it's a it's a dysfunctional business. You know, it's highly competitive. You got a whole lot of alpha males crammed together in the same um right. in, in the same room, and there tend to be issues, but there's something about this desire to replicate the New England culture that every time you try to do that, because the people that have been successful outside of New England seem to almost conscientiously say, okay, we'll take some things from New England, but we're going to do a whole lot of other stuff differently. You know, Thomas Dimitrov was a GM for the Falcons for a long, long time. Um, And, you know, when he stepped away from the, the Patriots, he he went his own way. He was decidedly his own man. He's a freaking vegan. Uh, you know, he's a he's a bicyclist. He wears a little tights and everything. So he's very non-Belichick like. So but very, very non-New England things. Yeah. So I think with Deshaun, Deshaun has been through this. He's seen what trying to mimic the New England culture has done. And and again, it's this Jack Easterby guy does so many weird things over there, including addressing the team. Um, When players would go in to meet with O'Brien, Easterby was always there, like sitting in the corner, just around, you know? So he's, he's, he's O'Brien's right-hand man. And yet at the same time, I get the sense that he thought he was also going to be, Hey, I'm the guy that's, that's buddy, buddy with everybody. And players look at that and you think I can't, well, like, where am I able to trust that? You know, I, I just, I don't get, exactly what this guy is or who he's supposed to be and that he also like Easterby if you're trying to mimic the Patriots organization I don't think you can do it with this Easterby guy because he's unlike anybody I've ever heard or seen of before like I don't think he has all that 
understand much understanding or knowledge of football and yet he involves himself in everything like every department he's there oh yeah so I think when when O'Brien when they excuse me when Deshaun saw that Casario got hired it almost has nothing to do with Casario's actual credentials because Nick Casario is very credentialed he's got a lot of he has nothing but positive reviews you know I talked to one um longtime personnel guy who said you know the thing about Casario is he's all business all the time he's you know you probably don't want to go grab a drink with him or anything he's going to be in there tunneled away in his office watching film he is all business what makes me nervous is that I feel like Belichick and guys like Casario look at Easterby as something that he perhaps is not that Easterby is this guy that claims to be and sells himself as oh I'm the balm for all of your human relationship issues. I'm going to come in and I've just got to, I've got a way with people. The guys that, a lot of the guys that matter on a football team, they see right through it. So I think that yep. the, the people in charge are thinking like, oh, wow, this guy's got a deft touch with players. This guy just understands. There are a lot of guys on the team that see right the hell through it. And, and look, Easterby got to New England, I think in 2014, 2015 or so. It's not like they didn't have success after Easterby got there, but they were already a successful organization. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Bill Belichick, they had a lot more to do with the remaining Super Bowl championships to be had than Jack Easterby did. And by the time that yeah, Tom Brady, Tom, by the time Tom Brady chose to leave, basically, I mean, mutual parting the ways, whatever, by the time Gronkowski retired to get the hell out of there, I don't know if it was the best culture, you know, the Patriots way wasn't necessarily something that you might try to mimic by the time those guys left the building. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> there's, there's just so much to unpack there. I mean, I think that the, the common thread throughout this entire timeline that you laid out to, to where we are now is that, you know, at every pivotal moment, a decision was made that seems to be the the less obvious, more outside the box decision, which doesn't make it the wrong one. But what happens is that it just raises the stakes on what the outcome is at every single turn. So, you know, even the move to begin with, with, you know, giving more power to Bill, Bill O'Brien after a handful of, of trade decisions and personnel decisions that may be we're not what you think we're, we're on the surface, what the team really needs. But the assumption there is Bill knows his team. He knows, you know, firsthand what this team is lacking outside of maybe what the fans think outside of what, you know, prognosticators and pundits think that are looking at the team from the outside. And then surely it didn't work out. And then you double down on another decision being made that was a little out, outside the norm and giving more power to a guy in Jack Easterby and, and these, these decisions over time start to really pile up. And so the stakes are exponentially larger with each decision that is being made down the road. And yeah. you're looking at it from the outside as someone who, again, I'm not looking at the team every day, but I just see one move happening on top of the other. And I'm thinking, this is just a deck of cards. It's, it's no, that and it cannot it, sustain itself over time no. because now you're in a spot where the one guy that you just have to keep happy, really, is Deshaun Watson outside of JJ Watt really at this point, but it's certainly Deshaun Watson is priority number one, and they're not doing that. And now you have what look like to be salary cap problems, personnel discontent, 
culture problems, people in the front office that don't really know what their role is. And a guy who, you know, beyond taking a real deep dive in Jack Easterby seems to be getting paid a lot to do things that he's maybe not qualified for. And the things that he is qualified to do are completely sabotaged by the fact that he's doing all those other things. Like you can't, if you're the, <laughs> right. Like right. the guy, you know how it is. It's like, if you were talking to, like, let's say you're going to see a therapist and the therapist told you, by the way, everything you tell me, I'm going to be telling your boss. Like, you're not, like what are you going to do? You're not going to, you're not going to just freely speak uh, like your mind to that person. And yet that's, that's the only thing that Jack Easterby was really lauded for coming in here was his way with working guys through their issues. There are a lot of people, including, okay, by the way, because we got to, I got to bring this back to Deshaun. So, so Casario is qualified, but if I'm, if I'm Deshaun, I'm looking at it like, well, okay, I know you guys, the Texans hired a, a search firm to go out and look for people and like I assume maybe at some point you'd be looking at some of these other candidates, all these people who weren't, were not from new England. And then maybe you chat with me about it. It's not just that they didn't chat with Deshaun about it. It's that they doubled down on new England culture without chatting with them about it. And I think that's where, that's where if I'm Deshaun looking at that, I feel, and I'm, look, I'm a young athlete making $39 million a year. I'm my organization's best employee. I know a lot of the old guard is going to say, well, look, players shouldn't be making those decisions. But if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm going to look at the plight of, say, Aaron Rodgers uh, a few years ago, where Aaron Rodgers' numbers were really on a vast decline under Mike McCarthy. And, and Aaron Rodgers, it looked like it looked like the Packers were going to be wasting the last few years of Aaron Rodgers' physical prime because Mike McCarthy is just not a good football coach. So what is, what is Aaron Rodgers supposed to do in that situation? You know, if you, if Deshaun can prevent himself from becoming an Aaron Rodgers where the next coach or the next GM run his career off the rails for like the actual physical prime of, of Deshaun's career, I don't see an issue in, in voicing a complaint about it. But now, now that you've given uh, Nick Casario a contract that makes him, I believe the third highest paid general manager in the league. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you do with it. And, and, and it, it, Casario sits down at the press conference and says, Hey, Jack Easterby and him are very good friends. A couple times he referenced how Jack Easterby has helped him through situations in his life. I mean, he is Jack Easterby is tunneled in there in, in the movie that comes to mind, Drew is rain man where you've got Dustin Hoffman, who's <laughs> Dustin Hoffman is, uh, his yeah. autism has obviously no, like he has severe autism. He's, he's way out there on the spectrum. So he obviously has uh, no people skills whatsoever. He's institutionalized <laughs> and along comes a very selfish, uh, a very highly ambitious Tom Cruise. Is Easterby done- rain man in this? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, Belichick were. or Casario would be rain man. <laughs> Because they're the very, okay, like, very analytically minded, but don't have people skills. Okay. But then along comes Tom Cruise, who's a lot of personality. You know, Tom Cruise looks, and he's, but he's also kind of a selfish, uh, somewhat uh, spurious ethics, ethics, and uh, a very ambitious. I think ambitious is the right word if we're right. going to keep keep the analogy up. So a very ambitious young guy, and he sees a way that perhaps he can use Dustin Hoffman's character. And Dustin Hoffman doesn't know any better. He just goes along with it. I feel like Belichick and 
Casario in this scenario are kind of like that Dustin Hoffman character where they do, they lack the people skills <laughs> to understand that the guy that's supposed to help them with the people skills doesn't have good people skills himself. And now we've got this, just this huge mess of a situation where Deshaun Watson may genuinely a hundred percent ask for a trade. And the Texans don't have to grant it, but Hey, Patriots way got to get rid of the malcontents, all that stuff. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think there's going to be more of a soap opera here than I thought there would be when all of this first started coming to a head a few days ago. I think what's interesting about that analogy too, is that it really highlights people who are, who are built that way naturally and skilled, you know, have, have skills like he seems to have are just disinterested in doing the relationship management and, and those parts of the role and they shouldn't be, that shouldn't be their role. So they, they, I think can put a premium on those talents in other people because they look at it and go, God, he's just doing all the things that I just don't have time for and just yeah. don't feel like doing. Right. And then naturally when you say, yeah, we've, we've won a handful of titles at this play, you know, at the, excuse me, in this franchise by doing it this way. So clearly that, that we should be paying someone like that a premium to do those things. And it does work. Um, and when you're outside of that, maybe that bubble, sometimes you're looking at it and you're thinking, especially like you said earlier, as a player, that is just to me. I mean, I had been around guys like that too, even, you know, at ASU and then later in Houston and, you know, affiliated with other, other organizations, even professionally, where you see guys coming in from the outside and you're thinking, yeah, that that's not, um, that's not going to work on me. Yeah. And it's yeah, just not yeah. like they aren't seeing that it is just there's not really much of a value on that. The value really is coming from from your peers. It's coming from really people on the staff for the most part and maybe a couple of the guys in the front office. But that kind of shtick is just not super effective. It reads to me as sort of a like a weekend motivational speaker approach, right. which is just like not, not overly valued. I was talking to a guy who's been in the NFL for, for a few decades. So he's seen it all. And he was talking <laughs> about like, now that he's a grizzled, like becoming an older guy, the thing that drives him insane is, and I think he's, he's a personnel guy. I don't know if I said that. The thing that drives him insane these days is that he gets these kids that he says, it's like, you can tell they just watch like eight Ted talks on YouTube every time they come in the room. And it's like all this, this big talk about all these grand things we can do and how we can redefine paradigms and we can think outside the box. And you're like, all right, that's all well and good, but we've got some work to do today. <laughs> like, and we gotta, you can only, you can't be revolutionary in eight different directions all the time. You've got to, right. like, you've got to have a very focused, if you're going to break the paradigm or what have you you gotta you gotta be very focused in how you do it and that goes for a lot of things whether it's technology or anything else you know like 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 tesla with the the automobile he actually he's he does uh, elon musk is pretty careful in just like how many innovations they have you know it's not like you can have 400 innovations and every time you roll out a new vehicle you gotta have a few big innovations and and that's enough to push it forward. But if you try to do everything all at once, the damn vehicle would fall apart. Well, I mean, yeah, there. That's a great point. There, there are figures who you know in sports or outside of it um, that have that kind of just a bottomless well of like inspirational energy, 
And there are a handful of them. And I think, you know, there are guys in football who seem to have it. I, th- I think a Dabo Sweeney sometimes, and who's kind of like the, the antithesis in a lot of ways, at least on the surface to like a Nick Saban, but they're still doing all of the other things. I mean, they're still doing all of just the standard day-to-day boring nine to five, breaking down film, generating reports, figuring out what tendencies are like. And that's really what's kind of winning it because I, I mean, I don't know what your experience was, but anytime I got those speeches, I mean, I was definitely ready to run through a wall and then 30 seconds later that wears off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after the first play, that's over. That right. just is not part of the formula to winning really outside of that. And I don't want to discount it because maybe in those critical moments, it does make a difference in one or two games a season. It, it, you know, it does matter. I'm not going to say it does nothing, but it's just not what the biggest problem I would think in a place like Houston is right now. I don't, it does, does, I don't think that's the problem. It seems like more like getting rid of one of the best receivers in the NFL for nothing. Seems right. like a bigger problem than, than that. So this, this is where it all comes to a head. Um, and this is what I'm going to do. I, we'll talk about this for a few more minutes. And then I think what I'll do is I'll end up taking all the questions that people gave me on Twitter and do a whole separate episode with that. So this thing doesn't run too long, but the big, the big issues would be, okay, a, wait a second. He just signed a new deal. Is that even tradable? The answer is yes. It's very tradable just based on how the structure is his, his new money doesn't really kick in until 2022. So if the Texans were to trade him this year, it would be a about like a $20 million cap hit, but the total amount would end up the net hit, the net extra hit would be five or $6 million. So it's a manageable cap, hit, especially if you're getting back question number two, which is how much, like how much are you going to get back? And man, I, I, these are the two scenarios. One is, okay, this never happens because a guy like Deshaun Watson is too valuable to his organization. And two, the organization that would have to trade for Deshaun Watson, it's almost, they'd have to give up so much to get Deshaun Watson that you end up in a situation where you're wasting Deshaun Watson for a few years. So what the hell is the actual right price for Deshaun Watson? I think at the very, very least, at the very least, you're looking at three first round picks, a couple of viable veteran players, and then a whole bunch of other picks. And I mean, and that, that honestly still feels a little, a, a, a little shy. Right. The other thing would yeah. be, and this is the only other scenario that I think would make any sense at all, and I don't think this is going to happen, but a team like Jacksonville, who has the number one overall pick and is in line to take Trevor Lawrence, maybe they would say, rather say, all right, you know what, our fans have suffered long enough, and we've got cap space, we can be aggressive in other places, maybe we trade the number one overall pick and the Texans can start in with Trevor Lawrence and, and the Texans can hope that Trevor Lawrence doesn't like pull a John Elway. I don't know what Trevor Lawrence, if he plays baseball or not. Um, but uh, you know, the Texans can hope that Trevor Lawrence isn't freaked out by this weird situation. And he comes there. I honestly, I don't think either of those are likely, but this is the Houston Texans and the Texans have done some really, really weird stuff that the Texans owner, Cal McNair has approved of in the last few years. Do any well, of those it, make any sense to you? I mean, a, no, they seem insane to me. Um, truly. Um, I mean, but it's sort of one of these things where the fact that you're even talking about it is just a giant red flag on, you know, the, the status of, of the health of your organization. The fact that you're even talking about it is just not, not 
inspiring a ton it's of a, confidence. It's into a black swan situation. Yeah. And it also, it I'm is. glad you, you know, when you mentioned earlier about all those, um, you know, when you're watching, you're, you're looking at each decision in a vacuum and it seems kind of weird, you know, when you're the, on the outside looking in. I think when you're on the inside, like when Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby on the inside, I think with each decision, they're like somebody who watches the stock market too closely. You know, right. you, you know, like you where you start to get too involved in every single little moment and you start deluding yourself into thinking like, well, you know what, if this works out, it could actually be a boon to us. You know, it's a, it makes sense if it works out And at no point did they step back and say, wait a second, we keep making decision after decision that is like, oh, okay, it's cool if it just works out. And just like in the financial markets, like if you were thinking that way back in 2005, 2006, all of a sudden, let's say you're buying a whole bunch of uh, REITs, the real estate investment trusts and all the other, um, what were the other, the D, uh, the debt collateralized, was it? Collateralized debt, out, the CDOs, the collateralized debt obligations and everything. Because, hey, it all makes sense. Look, I've got this great yield. It's going to be good. Just think of the pie in the sky. And then right. all of a sudden, you find yourself trying to sell off all this real estate that you bought at 25 cents on the dollar. Yeah, you would never do it until you screwed yourself so bad that that's the corner you're in. And I wonder if the Texans have just, I wonder if they've traded their way into this corner at this moment where they might end up doing the unthinkable, which is trading away a quarterback that takes sometimes two or three decades to find. Like yeah. that's the, it's, that's I mean, the end seems... of it is you, it could be two more decades before, before you find yourself another quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more as someone who just loves watching that guy play yeah. too. I mean, he's, it's been bizarre to see him play the way he has on a team that generally has had a pretty bad offense, you know, but I mean, to see a team that also looks at that offense and thinks, you know, we don't really need these receivers and our offensive line is doing great is a bizarre, is a bizarre take. So it seems completely reasonable that they would make a move like that. And that's, what's just so confounding about it. The only, I mean, now the only ray of light would be that, okay, Nick Casario hopefully was smart in that. Like hopefully Bill O'Brien, if, if the Texans have been able to sign Nick Casario originally, presumably a lot of these really bad moves wouldn't have even happened because the GM is there. <laughs> like that's why the GM is there, right? That's why the head coach and the GM aren't the same person. Cause the coach always wants his candy. Now he always yeah. wants like, no, I got I need an offensive tackle. I need him now. And Casario could have said, all right, well just hold on a second, buddy. There's time. You know, like I, I gotta get rid of Genevieve Clowney. I gotta get rid of him now. Let's just hold on a second. At the very least, if you trade him for a third rounder, don't pay half his salary as well. Like Would all these, you know, like, and that, by the way, that trade ultimately, because Clowney's play has gone down, I think sometimes people forget that Clowney was coming off of a very good season, and it's not his value then was different than it is now. Um, and again, it was just one decision that was curious amongst many other curious decisions. Yeah, just a, a whole lot of dominoes that sort of fell out of order. I mean, the it's and what's so you know in a vacuum, you're looking at it and thinking you can't make any of these escalating decisions, uh, the very least of which being even considering or entertaining, you know, Deshaun Watson being traded somewhere else without even, I don't see without knowing who the coach is, who right. any, who would be at the helm of any of that. I mean, how can you possibly make that move? It, it, let alone the prospect of being with a division rival without knowing who the person is that would be managing that personnel. I right. mean, that is it, wild. 
And and that's where I think my ray of light, the real ray of light is that, okay, Casario comes in, sits down, talks with Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun feels somehow different about the direction of the team, the culture, all of that stuff. Uh, and that I think the, I think there are guys that need to be reassured that Jack Easterby's influence isn't going to be right. what it was before. I think, I think Jack Easterby has worked him, his way into being way, way tight with the owner. Uh, but, but do you believe that? I mean, do you think is your what is your what do your instincts tell you about what's going to actually happen with Easterby? And I think that I there need to be assurances made that Easterby is going to be taking more of a supervisory role, but that also he's not he's not going to be coming in and giving goofy speeches the night before a game, <laughs> doing a lot of the stuff that uh, now I think Easterby's influence in the front office has to be tamped down a little bit too and, and part of this is Easterby by all accounts did a great job doing whatever the hell he did in New England here he took on way more and that's O'Brien's fault for giving Easterby all that control mm -hmm. or at least all that he had that all this supervisory ability over seemingly every department like every department people over there say that he is involved in every single department in the building and I'm not sure he's qualified to be doing that you know like if Let's say if it's Jim Ursay, think about Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, goofiest SOB out there, but I've, I've learned to like him over the years. If he were like flitting around from room to room and like telling the video department how to do their job and stepping into accounting and telling them how to do their job and then jumping on over and talking to the coaches, how they can be the best version of themselves, it would be a, it would be a mess. I yeah. feel like uh, Jack Easterby is kind of like a super sober version of Jim Ursay. Do, so do you think then with with Casario being in Houston now that that has all but ensured that Easterby will be with the Texans in the following season? Or do you I, think still I, I want to say that, but look, I think that people thought, I mean, Bill O'Brien brought Jack Easterby in. Bill O'Brien's a guy that fought to get Jack Easterby in. And a year and a half later, Bill O'Brien was out the door. So right. I don't, if anything, if anything, honestly... I'd be more nervous about Casario being fired than Jack Easterby. <laughs> I'm like, it's that. It's freakish, man. It's really it's some Game of Thrones type stuff. Yeah, if you watch say, Game I of Thrones, he's, he's, he's like, a, he's a combo between Littlefinger and the High Sparrow because there's that uh, religious component to it as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess when you put it that way, Easterby could just end up being the quarterback and Deshaun Watson would be somewhere else. All right. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you go, Drew, a little bit later because we're recording this on a Sunday. I'm going to watch some football, and then I'm going to answer all the questions that people gave me on Twitter. So you can check that out. This will be episode two of Deshaun Watson, WTF. Good day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.